0: Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's edition of Panel Riot, as we have been doing over the past couple of episodes, we are watching X-Men the Animated Series, that's right, more (laughs) X-Men, I can barely believe it myself, but before we get into all that Intern Stan, a theme song, if you please... Good stuff. Good stuff, Stan. Doing real well. Good work, buddy. Uh, we That was the closing theme to the X-Men animated series that it plays over the credits and weird sort of 3D models of the X-Men that kind of spin in a circle and uh, have fun facts about their powers. And it would be really interesting if it was different fun facts about their powers, but it is not. It is the same powers over and over. Just the same facts again and again, which is great. Super great. Gives me something to ignore. Um, This week, we are into, let's see, let's do a little quick math. 7, 8, 9, episodes 7, 8, and 9. Uh, Slave Island, The Unstoppable Juggernaut, and The Cure. A little bit on the nose with these naming, uh, naming schemes. Previous episodes have been called uh, Deadly Reunions and Captive Hearts and Enter Magneto, which again, on the nose, so maybe I'm expecting too much. So uh, let's get right into it, but first, no, I tell a lie. Let's not get into it. I lied. Sorry, that's just going to happen sometimes on the podcast when I get carried away. Um, before we get into it, I have a request of you, you beautiful little angels out there. Um, I am hoping to improve the podcast in the future and the near future and the far future and general, generally, uh, uh, everything moving forward after this episode, I want to be better and better and better. So, um, I need your help for that. If you go to bitly, B I T L Y. Dot com slash panel riot and, um, take a brief listener survey. It's 10 questions, couple of essay questions. Just, I want to know what else you're listening to. Um, if you can take a moment, answer some questions for me, uh, share your insight, what you like about Panel Riot, what you don't like about Panel Riot, um, and it's it's all in the service of improving the show moving forward, and I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. bit.ly.com, B-I-T-L-Y.com, slash Panel Riot, all lowercase, um, and uh, I'd be much obliged. So, to that end, we, le- we, la- <laughs> we left... Uh, the, less of that, you don't have to put that in the survey, less of my tongue trying to escape from my mouth, we left last week on a cliffhanger, the X-Men, some specific X-Men, Gambit, Storm, Jubilee, were kidnapped, they were kidnapped, they went to Genosha, which was supposed to be a vacation island, but it is also a mutant prison island, Apparently, if you go there as a mutant, I guess it's also a vacation island if you're not a mutant and just want to go hang out. Um, but uh I don't I don't know how these things both operate on the island. They don't really get into the um, economic side of Genosha, you know, how things work. No geographic locations. Um, no maps are provided for Genosha, which I think is a, a bit of a a misstep. A misstep on the on that part of um the fine folks at whoever made this uh, you know would tell us what we're working with. Where are the tourists staying? Where are the mutants staying? How do you guarantee there's no crossover? Um, what about that giant dam that you're building which we'll get back to? Uh, is that just something that everyone ignores? it can't be a very good resort island if half of the island is just screaming sentinel noises and dam construction and kidnapping mutants, and the other half is supposed to be. Uh, peaceful resort island for non-mutants to just kind of hang out and have a good time. Right? I would not rate them very highly on Yelp. Anyway, as I said, last week, cliffhanger, how are they going to escape? They don't. They do not escape. They are now slaves. And that is the reality for these three X-Men going forward. That's it. That's it, folks. Thanks for listening. It's the end of the episode. They're just slaves now. Next week, new X-Men, all new X-Men. Just kidding. Um, but they are slaves. Uh, they are put to work for a, uh, a short period of time. Uh, and there's a lot. You know I love Point, not the cameos in these episodes. And uh, there are a lot of cameos in this one. So they are put to work building a dam for some reason. Alongside Pyro, North Star, Mystique, Wolf's Bane, Avalanche, Warpath, Blob, Sunfl- Sunfire, Guy in Green with White Overalls, Gray Guy, and Big Head Green Suit. You know, all your favorite mutants. They have these collars around their neck, uh, which inhibits their mutant powers, but when they're working, they say that they can use their mutant powers, so the collars get turned off, I guess. Um, predictably, as soon as they turn off the collars, Storm says, Oh, good, let's try to escape. And, but instead of like chain lightninging everyone, which I know is a spell that she has. I know it's not a spell. Shut up, nerds. Um, she kind of zaps one person and flies up into the air. And of course, they turn on her collar immediately and put her in an isolation box, uh, which she freaks out about because there's that running theme of her claustrophobia. Now, I'm very interested to see if um, her character, her comic counterpart, is also claustrophobic. I'm not sure, or if that's just something they introduced. To the uh, cartoon and they really push that claustrophobia heavily. It is shown up in almost every episode. Um, keeps working for her, so you know whatever character traits I'm into it. Um, everybody starts working. Um, and Jubilee takes a little bit of metal wire because um, Jubilee and Gambit are tasked with uh, bending metal around other metal it's like a bundle of big metal cables and they bend other metal cables around that now these two are the thinnest little wisps of sass on the entire x-men and yet they are tasked with just straight up bending metal with their hands not one of their powers by the way um and of course they're struggling with it and then the blob shows up because of course he does and he's got he's got fat guy voice uh, I don't know who the voice actor is for the blob, but he did a real good job with uh, fat guy voice, right? Uh, in the meantime, back at the mansion, Professor X is placing a booty call to Maura McTaggart, and they never go back to that. No elaboration this episode. Um, so uh, a bunch of um, a bunch of you know. People get together, the ones who are kidnapping the mutants to do work for them, right? And um, it's a bunch of old white guys, as you would imagine it to be. Uh, and one of them is dressed as an old timey British judge, and he demands to be called leader. I have no idea what's happening at this point. I may have zoned out when they were explaining their evil plan, all like Dr. No style, but uh, I-, I just genuinely don't know what's happening. I, mo- I imagine it involves sentinels, um, whatever. But uh, I get a little distracted because Cable, first appearance, uh, X-Men number, episode, whatever this is. Cable shows up. He has no metal arm, but he has fabulous eyeliner. I mean seriously really nice eyeliner. It doesn't match, but it doesn't matter because it's incredible. Go and check it out. Go and seek out this episode or just find uh, a picture of Cable from the animated series. I'm sure his eyeliner stays the same the whole time. And you have Google in the internet. Go and check it out. Um, there is a lot of exposition and arguing between the old white men, uh, running the Sentinel program here. Um, and I gotta say, I imagine it's what hardcore tea party guys are like. Um, it's just a bunch of old white guys meeting in their quote unquote secret base, which is just like somebody's shed. And there's one guy, they're all like just, you know, business or business casual or whatever. And there's one guy who like insists on wearing a powdered wig. You know what I mean? they're like damn it terry do you have to wear that thing it's so distracting and terry gets all upset and he's like i'm a patriot calm down terry take off your stupid wig um at one point this show a shot of master mold who if you don't know is the giant sentinel that builds the smaller sentinels and uh uh Master Mold looks absolutely over it. His eyes, his weird metal eyes, are like kind of half-closed. And he's just kind of resigned himself to pooping out other Sentinels to just get blown up. And he's uh, he's just su- t- totally succumbed to ennui at this point. Um, and uh, uh, Cable's running around shooting his babies. So <laughs> in response, he pops out a grumpy-looking Sentinel. It's the same Sentinel as all the other ones, but it's got a grumpy faceplate. <laughs> it's not special in any other way (laughs) it's the best it's it's like his only defense (laughs) so um let's let's go back to the wiki here i feel like i've gotten um off track okay so the white guys running the sentinel thing bolivar trask henry peter guy rich cameron hodge um and oh, it's I think it's Cameron Hodge who's the uh, who's Terry in the white wig, uh, and I really hope that sticks. I hope I remember that and keep using it <laughs> throughout all of his appearances because, uh, damn it, Terry, nobody cares that you're a patriot. Um, what essentially happens is uh, Gambit turns on the mutants, maybe, but then he also is on their side, and they're taking him back to the prison after he meets, you know our tea party friends and then cable saves him and it's a whole weird thing but c- then cable has a key that unlocks all the neck things which is great um gambit frees his friends sort of i mean i mean sort of his friends he absolutely frees them he opens up the boxes that holds his friends um cable starts shooting up the factory with his bomb gun um and uh master mold is not thrilled Gambit, then Gambit, Storm, Jubilee, free everybody, and they kind of go on a rampage. Now, at this point, Storm does something which confuses me. Um, at first, I thought it was out of spite that they're wanted that they going to destroy this dam that they spent all the time building, right? Um, but what actually happened, I mean, it made sense because they were flooding the Sentinel factory, which I don't know that they actually knew about. It might have been out of spite. Either way, Storm is exhausted and upset and... Not thrilled from being in isolation for so long uh, and then she destroys the dam that she herself is standing on not well thought out how long did Storm lead the X-Men um, but I mean to be fair she is still better than Cyclops because she is actually doing something and Cyclops is sitting around somewhere just kind of screwing around being Cyclops wearing blue and having dumb hair hashtag Cyclops sucks quote of the episode which is something I would like to start doing moving forward uh as I remember it it is master mold and the quote is i am still plugged in and then he drowns <laughs> because he is still plugged in uh, so they're all flying home on the blackbird and gambit making jokes gambit's a traitor oh no he isn't oh, or is he maybe he is who knows um but uh who cares We we can't think about that right now because the school has been destroyed. Oh, no, what happened? Well, the next episode is called The Unstoppable Juggernaut, so I bet that's a clue. Uh, But before we find that out, let's have a quick word from our sponsors, and we'll be back with more Panel Riot. Incidentally, I'm not a wine expert. All I know about wine is that it either tastes good or it doesn't. And I also know that Petri wine always tastes good. The Petri family sees to that. The name Petri on the label is the personal assurance of the Petri family that every drop of wine in that bottle is good wine. And they know how to make it good because they've been making fine wine for generations. Handing down from father to son, from father to son... Every secret, every skill of the winemaker's art. Yes, the Petri family took time to bring you good wine. That's why, no matter what type of wine you wish, you can't go wrong with a Petri wine. And we're back. We are back. Our sincere thanks to the Petri family, the family that took time to bring you. Good Wine. I greatly appreciate your contributions to Panel Riot and to the uh, wine industry at large. Um, I had a couple of disturbing thoughts um, during uh, during our little time away here. First off, Iceman is not in this show. Why is Iceman just straight up not appearing in X-Men? He's a good character. He's a good and interesting character. What's he doing? Why didn't they introduce him? Why didn't he make the cut with the 90s X-Men? It makes me sad. And on top of that, uh, and this is this is in my notes, this is the first thing in my notes about this episode, this uneven, not great episode. Remember how Beast is in jail? The show does not. Beast is in jail, and he's he's in the opening credits, and they just don't discuss him. They're going on adventures, they're doing all kinds of crazy stuff, but at no point are they like, "Ah, oh, man... Beast is in jail. We should uh, get him out. Oh, well. Uh, let's fight uh, Sabretooth, or let's go on a Morlock adventure, or let's go find Master Mold, who is still plugged in. Um, when they're flying back to the mansion. Wolverine refers to Xavier as the Prof, which... I always felt that was terribly forced. That is not a good nickname for anyone, professor or no, even if their first name is professor, as Xavier's is. The prof is not a good, not a good nickname. Wolverine, swinging a miss, swinging a miss on that one. Um. So they return to the X mansion, and it is destroyed. It's completely smashed up, and uh, there is a long montage remarkably long montage where they are digging through the rubble while the X-Men cartoon series theme that you know and love so well plays in the background. Um, it's like, uh, it's like in the early Dr. No, Dr. No, the, sorry, the early James Bond movies where, you know, the famous mus- music cue, he's doing something cool and you get the, ba na that thing. Um, it's it's like in the early James Bonds where that music would happen when he's like walking through the hotel, or just checking his messages. Gosh, yes, do I have any messages for me? Ba-da-ba-da. I'm sorry if that was loud. I, I'm leaning away from the microphone. I'll try and uh, fix it in post. Um, either way, so they're digging through and they can't they can't find the professor and uh, Gene can't sense the professor and they're like, oh, he's dead or unconscious somewhere. And then they go to the control room, where Cyclops and Jubilee are, and there's a voicemail from the professor. Wouldn't you check your messages? Wouldn't that be like your first stop? Oh, maybe he left a note on the fridge, or perhaps he, you know left a video message like he does all the time, like we can all do, like we all have the capability of doing when we leave, just leave a video message. But no, we needed that like 15 minute montage. It wasn't even a montage. It was just them talking and digging through rubble. No reason for it. Absolutely no reason for it. So (laughs) basically, Professor, who is totally being a jerk, um says oh i'm i'm leaving i'm gonna be gone for a little while bye you couldn't say just the the, just give the slightest hint i'm fine don't worry about me no reason to look for me all will be well uh no he just says later i'm going on a vacation deal with it uh they see that it was recorded before the school was destroyed (laughs) so he's fine probably Um, and they start poking around to figure out who did this to our school. Well, remember the name of the episode? I do. They find a giant footprint, right? And Wolverine says, oh, here's the giant footprint. I'm going to go check it out. And he runs off and everyone is so mad at Wolverine, specifically Cyclops. Cyclops whines for a good like five minutes on how Wolverine is not a team player. And he just kind of runs off. Hashtag Cyclops sucks. Um, so Wolverine runs off, and then so do ev- so does everyone else, uh, looking for who this person is. And um, Wolverine and Jubilee attack the first large mutant they see, not pausing to think that he's not that big. He's not. So big that he could leave that giant footprint? No, no, no. All they see is a giant mutant destroying a building on a construction site, which he had been hired to do. Who is that mutant? This one actually really kind of excites me. Who is it? If you guessed Colossus, you are correct. It's Colossus! Giant metal Russian friend. Uh, He has appeared in the X-Men. It's his uh, first appearance, episode, whatever this is. And um, it's exciting. I'm a big fan of Colossus. I like what he does. I like what he's about. And uh, like I said, (laughs) he he just kind of goes into a a building and destroys it in his metal form, which is fine. Um, And all the other construction workers are grumpy because, A, uh, they said they weren't going to get paid then. And, two, um, Colossus did their job very easily. Now, after this, they start yelling at the foreman, and they're like, we were upset whatever and the foreman says you guys you you guys can clean up you'll still get paid and they're like no now we hate mutants <laughs> they're just looking for a reason to be grumpy basically uh and then we have a weird fight scene between Wolverine Jubilee and Colossus which doesn't go super well and the whole time Colossus is just like i don't i don't understand what is uh what what is happening uh, there is no reason for this i, I just want to work that's all and it takes him picking up Wolverine and just kind of holding him upside down for a while. And then Wolverine sniffs his shirt. And he's like, oh, you don't smell like the guy we're looking for. Sorry. Come on. A little impulsive there, Wolverine and Jubilee. And then Wolverine, <laughs> Wolverine's like, nope, not him. And Jubilee's like, just furious, screaming at Wolverine. Get a clue. That's clearly him. Look how big he is. You know, I, one, of the, one of the hallmarks of this series is that it, you know, focused heavily on Jubilee, right? Some say to the detriment of the series. Now, I have been thinking seriously that, uh, I mean, it's, she hasn't been that bad, you know? Ju- the character of Jubilee has not been obnoxious. Uh, even though she's wearing bright yellow, that's fine. It was, you know, a little more stylish at the time. 90s were a bright yellow time. But uh, on the whole, you know, the character really hasn't been that bad. uh, Except for this right here. Not great. Jubilee, not great. Super obnoxious. Fighting Colossus. So, uh, Colossus is, once again, finds himself in a mess of trouble. He goes to the bank for bank reasons. And um, he tries to stop a bank robbery but they think somehow it went so poorly, his bank robbery stopping, that they think that he robbed the bank. Uh, And so he goes to jail. Guess who robbed the bank? Uh, Probably Juggernaut. Maybe. They haven't... (laughs) I don't think they've shown Juggernaut at this point. Um, No, they haven't, actually. Look at my notes. No, they have not shown him yet. So Colossus gets put in prison, and uh, Rogue and Storm want to free him, and uh, so they do. They straight up break into the prison and spring Colossus. Now, who is across the hall from Colossus? If you guessed Beast, you are on a roll. There's Beast. The show remembered him, and they kind of acknowledge that they forgot because uh, they kind of, like, stop and chat with him a little bit, and Beast is like, oh, thanks. Uh, Thank you, Gene. Thank (laughs) you. Thank Gene for the cookies; they were delicious. And you know, maybe Gambit'll stop in again, and we can chat, and or you guys can stop in during regular visiting hours. And we can catch up on gossip. I'm just waiting for my day in court. Everybody, they like, they were like, okay, so we totally forgot about Beast, but let's make it seem like his friends didn't. And they come to visit sometimes. Uh, now, here's something that bothers me: Rogan Storm, uh, Spring Colossus, right? They spring him from the Houska. They are out of there. They're punching through walls, tearing out cells, anything to free their Russian metal friend, right? Why won't they free Beast? They are adamant about getting Colossus out. And Colossus is like, I am innocent. I did not do anything. Um, and Beast, who is also like, I am... no, he's not Russian. Sorry. Uh, I can't do a Fraser voice. So I'm not gonna try. Just imagine this in Fraser's voice. I'm innocent and I have not committed any crimes. And yet Beast has to stay. They're just like, okay, Beast, bye. Have fun being in jail. Um <laughs> it it baffles me. It doesn't make any sense. So they spring Colossus, and Colossus helps them fight Juggernaut, who we finally get a good look at. He is obnoxious. He's kind of like, he reminds me of um, uh, John Goodman's character from Revenge of the Nerds. You know what I mean? Uh, just overly aggressive. He's got a little bit of biff from Back to the Future in him, too, making terrible jokes and whatnot. Um, big and strong. Knows he's big and strong. Total douche about it. Um, oh, and he has the same voice as the Blob. Uh. The voice actor for the Juggernaut is the same voice actor for the Blob, except he doesn't do fat voice. No fat guy voice for Juggernaut, because he's in shape. And we learn a lot about the Juggernaut during our little time together here. One, he has a helmet that keeps Charles out of his head, which we knew. And it works the first time, unlike Magneto's, if you want to go back to the uh, two episodes ago, when I watched the first couple of episodes, and uh, hear all about my consternation with that. We learned that he was the one who destroyed the mansion. He was after uh, Xavier and couldn't find him. I don't think we learned that he's his half-brother yet. I think that comes later. Uh, And we also learned that he's not a mutant. His powers are, quote, magical. Uh, We learned that because Rogue tries to... They finally get the helmet off. Rogue tries to absorb some of his business, and it makes her crazy. And uh, I don't know why they went with that tactic before they went with the Gene screws his head up tactic, which is what defeats him. Uh, Gene basically makes him completely forget who he is and wander off. <laughs> That's what happens. He doesn't get arrested for all of his property destruction and bank robbing. They don't try to turn him into the cops or figure out what's going in or even put him in their special weird little jail, jail that they had uh, Sabretooth in a few episodes back. No, no, just let him wander off. It'll be fine. Um. It's also worth mentioning that Cyclops didn't help with that fight at all. Why is that? Say it with me now. Hashtag Cyclops sucks. With that, we, uh, we're, we're moving right along here. We really are. That, that episode... I mean, my recap seemed a little short there, and I'll be honest with you, that episode was not great. I may have spent a lot of time eating popcorn and uh, fiddling on Twitter, because did you hear The Rock is going to be uh, in um, in a movie adaptation of Rampage? I loved Rampage. I used to play that all the time. If you could find an old like arcade cabinet of Rampage, or even just like an emulator or whatever, you should check it out. You should play that stuff. I was always Lizzie. And if he doesn't turn into Lizzie, I am going to request my money back. And yes, I know Lizzie was the girl, folks. Uh, we I totally off the rails. We need to take another break. Another word from our sponsor, and we'll be back with more X Men. And more panel riot. In or around the Pittsburgh area, check out Metamorphosis, Pittsburgh's only full-service organic salon, spa, and wellness studio. Haircut check, mani check, petty, check, massages, highlights, sauna, and facials absolutely. We even offer professional yoga classes daily. Visit us at spapgh.com. That's s p a p g h dot com today. Because when you feel good, you look even better. And we're back. We're back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to uh, episode number 36 of Panel Riot. We are watching X-Men, the animated series, as we have been doing for a number of weeks now. And uh, we're talking about it. The good, and the bad, and the weird, and the poor animation, and the great animation, sometimes. Um, And uh, next up is an episode called The Cure. The Cure. Now, this is an episode that, um, it's kind of uneven. There's some weird stuff that happens. But um, it sets up a lot. I feel like it sets up a lot for things that are going to happen down the road. Um, You've got uh, mainly the introduction of Apocalypse, which is... Spoiler for something I'm going to tell you five minutes from now. Because the episode starts with Angel. Angel, Warren Worthington III. He's feathered, sleeving with ladies, employing a scientist named something Adler. John, what is it? Do you something Adler? doesn't matter. It's really not important because it's not even actually him. Uh, another spoiler. oh we're getting ahead of ourselves. okay so cable shows up looking for Dr. Adler who's a geneticist who is you know they don't say this right away but he's you know trying to cure mutants. That's what the cure means. Uh, it is not an X-Men episode about the band I am sorry And uh, <laughs> him and Angel kind of get into a fight and cable throws he shoots Angel yeah he shoots him off of his balcony and he lands in some very very deep snow, right? and um, then he pops up out of the snow, wings unfurled, presumably to kick angels or kick Cable's ass. It does not go well, as you uh, would imagine. It goes so poorly uh, that um, the lady that he was there with kind of gets involved, and she gets kind of blinded and um, just kind of shoots wildly, and again shoots Angel off his balcony. Unsurprisingly at this point, instead of going back inside, he flies away because that house sucks. Uh, Quick, quick (laughs) there's a couple of good quotes from this episode. Um, When Angel is kind of facing off against Cable, he says, pal, you picked the wrong chalet to terrorize, which is impossible to say in an intimidating manner, but uh, Angel gives it his best. So uh, the... Most of the episode takes place on Muir Island, which is in Scotland, and Xavier, who is not booty calling probably um is there to chat with Moira mcTaggart, Moira McTaggart, who um hired Dr. Adler or she's funding his research or something i don't i don't they're not really clear all you need to know is that um he's there and he doesn't like to. I think he's using the facilities he's using Moira McTaggart's mutant information facilities or whatever, and he's like paying for the privilege to do so or something like that again it's a very uneven, strange, and unclear episode so but um we get our first look at uh Apocalypse because uh it, they go to visit Dr. Adler and dr Adler in this he does have a German accent, so I'm not just being strange and using my accent abilities here. And he's like uh no visitors. Visitors are forbidden. That's the thing he says in this episode. Uh and while he's complaining about being disturbed, um Xavier tries to get into his head from outdoors and he sees a picture of Mystique and then he sees a picture of Apocalypse. Now, this was pre oh, it was very pre you know, X-Men films, so the association between Xavier and Mystique had not been established, he has no idea who these people are at all, at all, um, but it's good to see Apocalypse, you know, you, you really see a full shot of him, he's big and blue and imposing, God, he's really blue, it never really occurred to me that Apocalypse is nothing but shades of blue, what a weird character design, anyway, um, Xavier, it doesn't go well, none of that business goes well, so Xavier calls home, he finally calls home, congratulations, Uh, again, on the video phone, and uh, there's a strange animation error, Um, and Xavier has a new and exciting crazy eye, one eye is straightforward and the other one is elsewhere, And he explains everything that's going on. He's talking about Dr. Adler, and he's saying, you know, there's a cure to, not a cure, but whatever, a mutant thing. And everyone's like, no, that's dumb. Nobody wants to have that. Mainly Wolverine. Wolverine's super upset. But Rogue, oh, Rogue is tortured by her powers. And uh, she wants to have the cure. And she kind of takes off, and Gambit chases her. And what I got to say is a Pepe Le Pew-like pursuit. Um, which is really off-putting. I mean, I, I understand there was a different world back then, but, like, Gambit, you've you've got to take a hint, man. Just relax. She doesn't want you in her car. She doesn't want to make out with you or even talk to you. So <laughs> when she picks you up uh, by your giant leather coat and throws you into the air and drives off, Maybe that's a clear sign that she does not want to hang out with you. Maybe. And even after that, he's like, Where are you going? Rogue, come back! Rogue, come back! I have a terrible Cajun accent. Gambit, take a hint. Now, it, it occurs to me at this point that they did this storyline in uh, Astonishing X-Men. Uh, Joss Whedon's run was all about a mutant cure, which, you know, it kind of... it was done differently obviously different characters were involved but a lot of this a lot of similar things you know took place instead of rogue being interested in the cure and going to check it out it was beast um instead of uh moira mctaggart or dr adler it was um oh i can't remember her name um let's have a a brief moment here while i go and look this up Kavita Rao, Dr. Kavita Rao, she was the one who was developing the, um, the cure for the mutants, uh, kind of involved with, um, Ord from Breakworld and, uh, Tilde Soames, I think she was, um, involved somehow, uh, anyway, it's, it's not, you know, super terribly important, just a, it's just a thing that happened, um, back to the episode, right, uh at one point they um they go to a bar uh pyro and avalanche are hanging out at a bar uh and they cut to a plane where rogue is sitting on the wing of the plane, which is a great twilight zone reference uh and then she gets off the plane <laughs> and uh, it it's nobody actually says there's a person on the wing of the plane uh it's all kind of wordless, and you know you see the um the uh flight attendant laughing at the person, it's it's really good, it's a nice kind of subtle little reference, which you don't get a lot in these, uh, in these episodes um, s- Rogue <laughs> Rogue goes to the bar uh, there's a quick cameo from the Gargoyle from Gargoyles you know, the main one, I don't know his name and I don't care, I don't care do not, definitely do not send me the name of the Gargoyle on Twitter, at Panel Riot nerds um They fight, of course, because that's what mutants do, and, uh, eventually Rogue just kind of bursts into, uh, Dr. Adler's lab, and it's Mark Twain, it's Mark Twain with a German accent, why, it is absolutely straight up just Mark Twain trying to cure mutants, which is baffling, um... And I even have in my notes, why is it that Mark Twain is trying to cure mutants? And then, next line, in all caps, that's not Mark Twain, that's Mystique! Which is a sentence I never thought I'd say. But here we are. Uh, and I've said it. I've said it in real lifetimes to record on the internet. It's Mystique, of course, and she's working for Apocalypse, and it's a whole thing. We don't really discover why Apocalypse wants this to happen, but he does. Um cable gets involved at one point and actually um he discovers that it's mystique and that never really gets wrapped up everybody just kind of goes away as often happens in these episodes uh and then finally uh cyclops and gene show up and guess who's not helpful at all if you guessed cyclops you're correct hashtag cyclops sucks uh oh, Jean Jean gets knocked off of a cliff at one point, and Cyclops just kind of shouts and whines about it, really, while Rogue saves her, because Rogue is useful and Cyclops is a turd. Uh, Cable not recognizing his own parents. I think it's in this universe that Cable is Jean and Cyclops' son. I'm not strictly sure. I'm sure we'll find out in later episodes, or not. Who knows? Rogue changes her mind and says, you know, I don't want to take the cure, I like being a mutant. Helps rebuild Dr. Adler's machine, who of course is not Dr. Adler, it is Mark Twain, a.k.a. Mystique. And uh, she flies through the hole in the roof to leave, and smacks into Warren Worthington III. Now, how many flying mutants, how much air traffic do you think happens on this island it's it, I mean granted it's more than you know most other places in the world because it is an island full of mutants doing mutant research but these have got to be like the only two people flying into the sky at night neither of them paying attention and Rogue just smacks into Angel and he's like how do you fly you don't have wings that's his, that's his opening line how do you fly without wings and Rogue says, Rogue's like I don't know I just do don't tell me how to live my life And she flies off and he's like, you're lucky that you don't have wings, because I don't like my wings. And he goes in to get the cure, and uh, nothing happens to that. And then we have some a little bit of monologuing from Apocalypse, and that is it. That's it. Oh, I did forget a, an excellent line from this episode. And uh, it's from Pyro, who is being uncharacteristically eloquent and expressing the same opinion as everyone when he discovers that Mystique is actually Mark Twain working for Apocalypse, uh, and he says, personally, I find this frightfully confusing, which is the most cohesive sentence that he says uh, in the entire thing. I think he's Australian. I'm pretty sure he's Australian in this. He might be from New Zealand. I really don't know. doesn't matter doesn't matter. I think that actually is a little nod to the uh, Pride of the X-Men cartoon that we talked about way, way back in an earlier episode. Uh, I believe that was episode 9. Episode number 9. Wow. Feels like so long ago. Um, but, yeah, that's it. And that's it. That's it for this episode. Uh, it's, uh, all that's left now is uh, the business end of podcasting. Because I have some very exciting news to share with you, all of you. Would you like more Panel Riot? Well, more is available. You can find us at our base of operations, panelriot.com. From there, you can do all manner of things, including donating to the cause. You can become a Patreon supporter of Panel Riot. You'll have my undying gratitude as well as a personal stake in the future of the show. It's a blast. Um, down the line, I promise there will be more benefits. I will introduce more uh like patreon subscriber exclusives as we go on and uh, as you tell me more and more what you want just go to panoriot.com, click the link that says patreon and uh it will take you there it'll take you there uh, you can find us on twitter at panelriot i am at dj lunchbox and you can also follow teenheartthrob intern stan at intern stan you can hear us all over the place including stitcher smart radio spreaker and of course iTunes. If none of those work for you, you can also head over to panelriot.com and click the link that says Most Recent Episode. From there, you'll be whisked away to a land of episode descriptions and browser players. I hope you enjoy it. I want to know what you think of the show. Email us, panelriot at gmail.com. Tell me what you're reading, what you like, what you don't like. Uh, anything. Tell me anything. It's frightfully lonely. Intern Stan sleeps through most of the episodes. He only He's only awake for like Four hours at a stretch, and that's at like 2 o'clock in the morning. I don't know what he does. He just kind of sets things up and then passes out. He's pretty much a permanent fixture on my couch. So um, if you have any ideas to do with the intern Stan email us, panelriot at gmail.com. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier, if you could take a brief moment of your time and go to com slash panelriot. Take our 10-question survey and uh, help us improve the show moving forward. Thanks for listening, true believers. Until next week, when hopefully I will have thought of a cat phrase. Member of the Sorgatron Media podcast network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com. Let's go out to the lobby. Let's go out to the lobby. Let's go out to the lobby and have ourselves some wine, Petri wine. With Lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom?